0: Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 78, verse 1 through 32. If you have your Bibles, open with me. If you have your apps, go ahead and follow along, or you can follow along uh, on the screen as well. It's a lengthy reading, uh, but it is a reminder to us of God, what God has done. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob. And establish the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. Then the men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. They forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. He did miracles in the sight of their ancestors, in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zon. He divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them with a cloud by day and with light from the fire all night. He split the rocks in the wilderness and he gave them waters as abundant as the seas. He brought streams out of a rocky crag and made water flow down like rivers. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God. They said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? True, he struck the rock and water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us bread? Can he supply meat for his people? When the Lord heard them, he was furious. His fire broke out against Jacob, and his wrath rose against Israel, for they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heavens. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. He let loose the east wind from the heavens and by his power made the south wind blow. He rained meat down on them like dust, birds like sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp, all around their tents. They ate till they were gorged. He had given them what they craved. But before they turned from what they craved, even while the food was still in their mouths, God's anger rose against them. He put to death the sturdiest among them, cutting down the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. This is the word of the Lord.
1: So, what stories does your family tell? Is it maybe stories from your journey from Laos? Or maybe your grandparents living in their hometown? Or maybe it's stories of your parents' uh, glory days when they were young and thin and beautiful and great at volleyball and football. So, what stories does your family tell? See, the stories we tell shape our children. They shape our nieces, nephews. So, for example, at Thanksgiving, my Norwegian family on my mom's side would eat lefse. Lefse is kind of like a potato tortilla. And and every Thanksgiving, my grandfather or my grandmother would tell the same story. And it was my grandfather as a child and his mother, my great-grandmother, would be making lefse, and you make it on a flat griddle, would be making lefse, and my grandfather, as as a kid, would sneak up and grab some right off the griddle and eat it. And then his exasperated mother would go, "Geesh, at least put some butter and sugar on it. And that was the origin story of why my family ate lefse with butter and sugar. Then I moved to Minnesota, the land of my Norwegian people, and I come to learn that everybody eats it with butter and sugar. <laughs> it's not special to my family. In fact, you can buy it at the state fair with butter and sugar. And, but, and So I'm thinking, man, come on, Grandpa. At least come up with a real story. Well, nonetheless, we heard that story, and we loved that story every Thanksgiving. Now, on the other hand, on my dad's side... My dad had some fairly significant family trauma in his family history. And so nobody talked about that side of the family. Nobody talked about my grandparents much, especially for me growing up. And so I didn't develop the same love and affection for my maternal family as I for my paternal family as I did for my maternal family, my mom's side. See, the stories we tell play a huge role in our development as children. They shape us in really powerful ways. And you know what? And God knows that. He knows how powerful the stories we tell are. And that's why he commands us to tell stories. You heard a little bit of it in Psalm 78 today. And that's what we see is this command to tell stories. In fact, the first three verses uh, command the Israelites to tell the stories of old, the stories of old to their children. And it says, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. So these are stories passed from generation to generation. And most families do this. They tell stories of the past. And some of the stories even get passed on from generation to generation. And maybe it's one generation deep. Maybe it's two generations deep. Maybe some of your families will even tell stories three to four generations deep. And sometimes it's the same story. And I'm sure we've all probably been there with a parent or a grandparent telling us the same story we've heard countless times But we love them, and so we listen, and we smile, and we laugh at the the same parts we always laugh at. Because those stories are part of the family. And see, and other times, maybe it's a new story you've never heard before. And it reveals, it unlocks some family secret. And all of a sudden, something makes sense that never really made sense before. Well, most families tell stories. But that's not enough. It matters what stories you tell. It really matters what stories you tell. See, the next verse right after that says, We we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the family and my grandparents and my parents. No. We will tell the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. So what stories do you tell? What stories do you tell? Do you tell stories of God, of his power, his work, his wonders? So why do we tell stories about God's faithfulness? Well, the next couple verses give us five reasons why we tell these stories. Five reasons. So that your children would know them. So that your grandchildren would know them, so that they would trust God, so they wouldn't forget God's deeds, and so they would, they would keep his commands. Those are all the reasons God says to still tell stories of his faithfulness. Now, there's one more reason, though. There's one more reason that this passage mentioned, and this one's different You see, this one sets up a contrast between the stories of God's faithfulness and then another set of stories. See, this other set of stories, this other reason, the verse says, is this. So that the Israelite children would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. See, the other reason is because there's a whole there were generations behind the, the, the generation that read this psalm and worshiped with this psalm. And the stories they told were not all that flattering of, of those generations. See, what the stories tell about God, they're just amazing. He did miracles, he rescued, he gave food and water. He protected, he defeated enemies. All amazing. And the stories that are told of God's people, they're very critical. They turned their back. They disobeyed. They lied. They ignored God. They continued to sin. They spoke against God. They did not believe. Those are all phrases out of the stories. And and what we read is actually just half of Psalm 78. That there's a whole second half of more stories that echo these same themes. See, and how different are these stories? The stories that tell of God and the stories that tell of God's people. And how different are these than the stories we typically hear in our families? See, we usually hear stories that make our families look good. They're stories where our parents or our grandparents are the heroes. They're the strong ones, the faithful ones. It's our parents and grandparents that they save, they protect, they provide, they endure. Those are usually the stories. Stories that make our family look good. And some of you... Come from families where you never hear stories that make your family look bad. In fact, you might have even been told explicitly that you don't tell other people the bad stories. You don't want to lose face. You want to protect the family reputation. And in fact, some of the stories are so bad, they become family secrets. Shameful secrets that are never spoken of again until something comes to light. See, it matters what stories you tell. It matters what stories you hear. Why? Because the stories you hear shape the things you love. The stories you hear shape the things you love. Think about that for a second. Why do I remember our family camping trips, even with the ants and the rain and the mud? And why do I remember and look fondly on those? Because we would tell stories about them all the time. Why do I affectionately remember an old gas station in Flandreau, South Dakota that I've only seen once? Because it that's it's where my grandpa worked and he first met my grandma. Why do I love Lefsa so much? Well, that's because butter and sugar are delicious. <laughs> Put that on anything and it's great. But also, this was part of our family story. The stories you hear shape the things you love. See, God knows that. That's why, that's why He commands. Parents to tell children, to tell the nieces and nephews stories of God's faithfulness and the family's unfaithfulness. See, these are stories where God is the hero, not the family. We have plenty of people who have heard stories of the family and have fallen in love with their families. But if you don't hear stories of God's goodness and God's greatness, are you going to be able to fall in love with him? Who will your children fall in love with? Will they fall in love with your family? And that's not wrong. But if that's your greatest love, you're missing out on a lot of life. Instead, tell the stories of God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's miracles, God's provision, God's love, God's care, God's tenderness. Those are the stories we should be telling. And often in our families, we flip this. See, we flip this. We tell stories that make our families look good and God look Sometimes, how many of you have grown up in, grew up in families where you, where you attended church and being a Christian was all about do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that? Do you ever find yourself weaponizing spirituality against your kids, using shame or guilt to try to get them? To love God. Those are the stories that make God look bad. And chances are you're probably telling stories that make your family look good. See, the stories for your family, it doesn't mean we have to denigrate our families. But it does matter the stories you tell. And I'm fascinated at Psalm 78 that God told stories of some of the worst of what the Israelites did. And repeatedly, he tells of the amazing, the good things that God did. And I think so many families flip that. See, if you hear enough stories where God is the hero of the story, not us when you hear that God is the faithful one, even when we're not faithful, guess what's gonna happen? Guess who you're gonna fall in love with? You're gonna fall in love with the God who rescues. You're gonna fall in love with the God who is faithful even when we're unfaithful. And as a small child, if you hear that message enough, guess what's gonna happen the first time you do something where you feel like you've let God down, even as a small child, where you failed in your faith, what stories are you going to remember? You're going to remember the stories of God's faithfulness, even when the family, the parents, the grandparents are unfaithful. So then you might actually believe that God is faithful to you as well as a kid. See, that they're going to know, our children will know that God is loving and faithful and trustworthy and dependable when we tell stories that highlight that. But if all we tell are the stories that make our families look good, then all they're going to learn to love is our families. And God will become a side character in the story. So instead, let's flip that. Let's make God the main character in our stories. And let's make our family the side characters. The foils to contrast God's goodness and faithfulness. So I would encourage you parents, aunties and uncles, don't be afraid to tell the stories of your failures. Our children need to hear those but pair them with the stories of God's faithfulness. Even when you weren't faithful, He was. And that's the amazing promise of Psalm 78. And so when God says, tell these stories to your children, the stories we tell matter. And today, why why I chose this psalm and why I preached this message is today we're going to have some moments, some baptisms, some dedications that will create memories and create stories that can be told. You know, when I got baptized today, even though I wasn't worthy of it, there's nothing I've done to deserve God's presence in my life. But he is good and he is faithful and he welcomed me into his family. How's that for a baptism story? So let's all make God look great. During the dedications, families will come up here with with kids. And and what if the the stories you heard were, you know what? I don't deserve kids. None of us do. You are a gift from God. And every day I'm grateful for that because he is a good father who gives good gifts. I'm not always a good father, but he is always a good father. And I dedicate my children today because he is good, not because I am good. So let's tell some great stories about God as we hang out with our kids, our nieces and nephews over these holidays. Let's start making him look good. Join me in prayer. God, when we say we praise you, it means we tell the stories and we sing the songs that make you look good. And God, forgive us Forgive us for the songs we sing and the stories we tell that make us look good and make our families look good. And, we, and we, we, we shape our children to love. Lord, I pray for all the parents and the aunties and the uncles and the best friends and all of those who have children around them. Let them tell amazing stories of your faithfulness, even when we are unfaithful. And let today create some new stories we can tell. God, thank you for giving us a new story and a great story of your faithfulness, of your rescuing, of your power. Let us remember those stories. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.